0: Podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them or not. I'm Kristen LePianca, and I'm here with Lane Fargo, hello, and Wendy Hurd. hello, and we are all in three very well, not very different, but we are in three different cities, so we have some different weather situations going on. Wendy is over on the west coast, dealing with the drama of the fires right now.
1: Yes, I um. I, it's nice outside, but also everything is on fire.
0: So. Which is bad.
1: I don't think people understand how big the fire is right now. I've never seen all of Malibu on fire. I mean, it's, it's really insane. And then like, in addition to Malibu being on fire, it's like West Hills and it's Topanga Canyon. I mean, it's just everywhere. I think I read this morning that 200,000 people have been evacuated. So I, I don't think people understand how big it is unless they're from here like this is hundreds of square miles of affected people you know if you count all the like wildlife land i mean it's crazy well we're very
2: glad you're okay um those pictures i keep seeing pictures on twitter and it looks like mad max fury road like the fire tornado it's terrifying
0: seriously can you like see smoke from where you are
1: yeah, I mean, usually when the fire is on the east side of the city, um, the wind usually will pull everything west to the ocean. So if it's on the east side, fire will sort of blanket the whole city as it pulls west across the city to the ocean. When it's on the west side like this, it's kind of pulling the smoke out to the ocean. Mm. So it's not going to necessarily hit, but it's so much smoke that, yes, we see smoke. And a lot of times in this type of weather, we'll all have like this white ash
0: all over our cars, and it's like, it's like the apocalypse. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I am in Columbus, Ohio, so quite a bit across the other side of the country, and nothing's on fire here, but it is 27 degrees currently. It is quite cold, and there is ice on the sidewalk and in, you know, ponds and whatever. So, can uh, I just
1: clarify? 27, that's like. Freezing, right? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> it is
0: below freezing. Yes. Okay. <laughs>
1: and it's even colder in Chicago.
2: I think it was twenty one when I took my dog out earlier, which means he has to wear his adorable little coat. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like the one good thing about winter in Chicago is all the dogs and like coats and booties and stuff.
0: Can you describe his coat? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's kind of it's kind of plain actually. It's just like this little gray coat, but he looks adorable in it, and he's uh. um I've a. Uh, pit bull mix and he's just this little stubby tank of a dog so it barely fastens around his giant muscly chest and he just looks hysterical <laughs> never fails to amuse me
0: I love it so much I'm going to need a picture of him in his coat
1: that can be arranged great and I'm gonna need pictures of the birds to prove that they are still alive in the snow because I still don't believe
2: okay Wendy you have to you have to tell this story on the yes. podcast because it's my favorite it's so good
1: Okay, well, it just might have occurred that I was in my 30s and I didn't know that birds stuck around and lived in the snow. I thought they all migrated because isn't that what birds do? Plus, look (laughs) how small they are. I mean, like, look at their little blackbird, like, tiny little legs and stuff. They're going to freeze off and fall off. So... (laughs) my friend in buffalo was posting all these pictures of cute birds in her garden in the snow and i was like oh my god how are they doing that like are they on their way through flying south from canada and she was like wait (laughs) what wait do you do you not know that birds can stay and live in snow i was like well no look how little they are and as it turns out all birds don't migrate some of them migrate so i asked my husband who's from arizona and i was like hey um, did you know that some birds live in the snow? And he goes, no, I thought they hibernated in caves. <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, so much. in it's fucking so caves? No, of course they don't. They're not in caves. But like, so I don't know. It just seems like they're too small. And I see I they fly through here. So I see, I know they're migrating.
2: I don't know. The birds in Chicago, at least, are like pretty hardcore. I mean, especially the pigeons. They will like cut pigeons, you. other. Yeah. <laughs>
1: i mean okay those are fat birds like that seems like they have like
0: insulation Mm -hmm. but like sparrows and stuff i mean i think sparrows leave yeah i'm gonna pay
2: more attention to the birds in chicago (laughs) this winter just because of you wendy i'll report back Wow, who knew you were going to learn so many science facts here today Right, unlikable is, female characters?
0: This is now the the science podcast. We talk about birds uh, and dog <laughs> booties and dinosaurs. Well, Kristen, do <laughs> you want to tell
2: the people what we're actually yes.
0: talking about today? Yes, we will get back on topic as of right now at this moment. Uh, and we are going to talk about our favorite uh, unlikable female characters from books, movies, TV shows, etc. And we're also going to talk about unlikable female characters that we just hate, our least favorite types, um, and I think we have all got some different people to discuss, and so hopefully we will have a fun little chat. Um, Lane, would you like to start? Sure
2: thing. Um, so one of my favorite unlikable female characters of all time, pretty obsessed with her, is uh, Mavis Gary from the film Young Adult. Have you guys both seen that?
0: I have, yes. Okay, Not. so...
2: Oh, Okay. So it came out in, I think, 2011. It's on Prime and Hulu and everything now. So if anyone listening to this has not seen it and wants to watch it, you should check it out. Um, It was written by Diablo Cody, who also wrote Juno and uh, Jennifer's Body, which that's actually... Like another unlikable female character classic, we should talk about that maybe next Halloween. That's such a good Halloween yes, movie. Yes, <laughs> that is a good call. <laughs> I love that movie. Anyway, so um, young adult is about Mavis, who's played by Charlize Theron, and she is this former high school mean girl who now ghost writes a series of they're sort of um, Sweet Valley High gossip girlish YA novels, uh, and she's just like a total bitch, like a really terrible person. (laughs) The movie is all about her going back to her hometown in Minnesota. uh, And she is there on a mission, which is to try and break up the marriage of her high school sweetheart, who is very happily married and just had a baby. But she thinks he's like trapped in this domestic prison that only she can free him from. So she goes back there to try and bust up her marriage, uh, his marriage, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, really relate to this bitch. I just, <laughs> even though I was not, like, a popular mean girl in high school. I mean, I was kind of mean, but I wasn't popular. Just, like, an unpopular mean girl.
1: Um, the imagine what one would have to do with the other. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why I spent most of high school in love with a gay guy. We've talked about this. <laughs> um, anyway, so there's, uh, I think where I first kind of fell in love with her is there's this scene early on in the movie where she's driving around her hometown, which is this kind of typical like Minnesota small town. And she's just like, she passes a Chili's and a Staples and she's just like glaring at them with this like loathing in her (laughs) eyes. And as someone who grew up in a small town and really hated it and wanted to get out of there immediately, I just, I don't know, I just related to that. Um, So yeah, probably my favorite thing about this character, though, is this is not a movie about an unlikable female character who learns her lesson and becomes a better person. She is awful at the beginning, and she's, like, maybe even more awful at the end. I think she gets worse <laughs> instead of better, which, I don't know, usually female characters aren't allowed to do that. Like, we see that a lot with male yeah, characters. Yeah, that's
0: really true. That is really true.
2: hmm And there's a scene right near the end where she... She seems like she is on the cusp of maybe changing. Like she actually says, I need to change. And she's crying and she's kind of been through a lot of stuff throughout the the film. And uh, the character she's talking to, who's this kind of uh, miserable girl who envied her in high school, really looked up to her. So Mavis says, I need to change. And this girl's like, no, you don't. You're amazing. It's this town that's terrible. Like you're perfect. (laughs) And you just see, like Charlize Theron is such an amazing actress. And you just see her kind of narcissistic shell like go back over her and she's like thank you i am amazing (laughs) and she just leaves and she's just as terrible as she was at the beginning so i don't know i just love her she's awful and i love her
0: yeah i love i love that movie i i've only seen it once uh and it was a long time ago but i just love the way that she like she is a a mess and not in like a pretty way Mm -hmm. Like even though um, like there are moments in the movie where she sort of pulls herself together but like I'm just thinking of like her hotel room in the town that she's like completely trashed and um, it's just so interesting to see her just allowed to be that awful the entire movie. There's something very satisfying about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't get that
2: very often. No, you don't. And the one thing that has always bugged me a little bit about Young Adult, though, is she's definitely presented as having some sort of mental illness. Like she she even says at one point uh, that she has depression, uh, like kind of as an excuse for right. something she's just done. She's like, I have depression. Leave me alone. Um, and you see her pulling out pieces of her hair compulsively. And I, I was reading uh, some reviews of this last night as I was preparing for this podcast. And there were a lot of critics who called that out. They were like oh, I'm so glad that the writer chose to include that. Otherwise she would just be completely irredeemable, but you can sympathize with her because she's clearly mentally ill. And I don't know, that just always kind of bugged me. Like yeah. that she's not just allowed to be awful without pathologizing it. And I don't right. know. Right,
0: yeah, that is, that's a good point too. I
1: think, you know, I write psychological thrillers that are very psychological and it's like I just have a thing where a personality disorder is not a mental illness it's different you know what I mean like someone Mm -hmm. can be sociopathic and be completely sound of mind so yeah right I'm with you yeah yeah I think that's her she's like a pathological narcissist she's not (laughs) right it's
0: not it's not oh she's depressed like she is just pathological narcissist uh it's It's just a great movie, though. So darkly funny. So
2: darkly funny. Yeah. It's like a true black comedy. Yes.
0: Yeah. Things get labeled black comedy that are, like, not... This one definitely is. Definitely. All right. right. So
2: who's next? I think you, Kristen?
0: Yes. And I am a bit of a rule breaker because I could not pick one, so I picked two. I'm very sorry. (laughs) I cannot be forced to choose, but... I first want to talk about Antoinette Conway from Tana French's Dublin Murder Squad series. Have either of you read those books?
2: I have not. I am so ashamed to admit that I have never read a Tana French book, and I'm kind of intimidated to start, so maybe you can tell me which one to start with, because everyone (laughs) recommends her to me all the time.
0: Yeah, well, she's fantastic, and the series is, like, about the detectives who work in the homicide division of Dublin police in Ireland, and... It's interesting, though, because each book is from a different uh, point of view. So, like, you see a case through one person's eyes, and then that character shows up as a supporting character from someone else's point of view, which means you sort of get to see both sides. Uh, you get to hear, like, a character's internal thoughts and then see how they come off to their colleagues in the next book. Oh, which is, cool. Which is really interesting because you get a really good sense of what these people are like. But Antoinette Conway uh, is in... Uh, the secret place as a supporting character and then she's the protagonist of the trespasser and she is the only woman on the homicide squad Uh, she's biracial and she has a massive chip on her shoulder over the fact that she thinks everyone is out to get her she thinks she doesn't fit in she's never fit in anywhere her whole life and so she has this this like huge complex about it Um, and it sort of makes her act in this way of like even if people didn't automatically feel like she wasn't a part of the group, like the way she acts probably would. Um, and it's so interesting because in The Secret Place, she sort of – this manifests as her determination to, like, solve the case and cut through a lot of bureaucratic red tape. And, you know, she's kind of ha- – she if she was on a reality show, she would be the one saying, I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> um <clears throat> but in The Trespasser, the case sort of hits close to home. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, uh, but basically, it sort of starts to seem like maybe this is all in her head. Like, is she real? Is everyone really out to get her? Or is this just like some complex that she has blown way out of proportion? And she begins to doubt herself. The reader begins to doubt her. And then ultimately, it turns out, no, she was fucking right, right? Like, there are people out to get her for a very specific reason. Uh, and, you know, in the end, nobody likes her any better, uh, even though she is right. And that's perhaps why no one likes her, because she's right. No one likes someone who's a know-it-all, um, even when they do actually know it. But mm-hmm. she's a really interesting character because um, she does not, like, there, is, there isn't any redemption for her in the eyes of the other people who don't like her in the end of the story. Um, as far as, like, the reader goes, she does, like, we, we see that she's right about a lot of things, but that's not the same as redemption, uh, and it's definitely not going to change the way that she acts towards people, but I just really think that that whole series is fascinating, and the way that the character is handled is great.
2: That sounds amazing. I have to read Tana French. Everyone keeps telling me.
0: (laughs) Yes, you really do. Um. It's it's a series, but like it doesn't really matter like what order you read them in, I don't think, because it's not like a sequential story. And it's also not even the same character. It's just sort of like the same characters are in and out of all the books. Um, But the, The Secret Place is, I think, my favorite. So you should probably start with that one. Have you read her latest one, The Witch Elm? Not yet. It is on my very large stack. But that one, I believe, is not part of the series.
2: No, yeah, I don't think it is. That's. I was thinking about starting with that one because it's unrelated. But yeah. um, I love that title, The Witch Elm. It's That's a such great title. title. Yeah,
0: yeah. But she's fantastic. You should definitely read her. And then I would also like to talk about Elizabeth Jennings from The Americans. Have either of you watched that?
2: I have not another thing people keep recommending to me there's so many good things to watch and read it's like i know
0: it's so hard so so far we're doing like a really good job of like not picking things that everyone else has already seen so maybe there won't be all that much discussion about these things but that's okay um if you have not seen the americans you absolutely should and elizabeth jennings is she's a this so it's set in washington dc in the 80s and the jennings family um Elizabeth and her husband, Philip, are spies from the Soviet Union who have sort of been embedded in American life, you know, for 20 years, living as Americans and reporting back to the Soviet government on various activities. Um, And so it's a spy show. It has a very high body count, especially in the first season. And Elizabeth herself is responsible for most of those bodies. She is absolutely ruthless. Um, I would be very curious to actually just like see if anyone was keeping track of how many people she kills throughout the course of the show. Um, It's it's probably a pretty high number. But somebody has to have. Like, it would be really interesting to know that. And they live, so they live in the suburbs of Washington, DC. They've got two kids, and so it's like, you know, mommy and daddy are fake travel agents. Well, like, by day, I guess they are actual travel agents. Their cover is they're travel agents. And then, like, by night, they're assassins, essentially. Uh, and so as you can imagine, like, they're terrible parents uh, because they're <laughs> out ass- assassinating in the evening instead of parenting. Uh, but I think that's one thing that's so interesting about Elizabeth is that, like, she's a terrible mother and she's allowed to be a terrible mother. And um, it's not like, you know, her children, her children are not her weakness, which is something that you you see in the thriller space a lot. Um It's just, she has kids. It's part of her cover story. She is so driven to her mission. And that's another thing that we don't see all the time for female characters that are, you know, she is so focused and singular minded about what she's trying to do with uh, getting government secrets and funneling them back to the Soviet Union. She is just um, unstoppable. But it's interesting because even though she is the truest believer on the show, towards the end of the series, um, her, unwa- her unwavering dedication does begin to waver a bit. And it's really interesting the way that that all comes about. But uh, I don't want to give any spoilers for that one either because I know people are still watching the final season, which just aired a couple months ago. Um, and I do want to say about her that before she becomes a spy, She is sexually assaulted by a commanding officer in the Soviet army. Uh, And that's later referenced throughout the show. And that's a trope that we don't love here on this podcast. The idea of trauma as character development. Like that is, that's not how it works. That's not okay. But I do think it's kind of handled in an interesting way on the Americans. Because rather than that causing Elizabeth to sort of turn away from the Soviet government... She, it actually makes her lean into it harder. She's just a real complicated lady, uh, and I love that so much.
2: Yeah, that's so interesting. I think so often in that genre, you know, the spy thriller, it's the man who's the ruthless badass and then maybe exactly. the female character is the one who like makes him remember his humanity or like stay true to his morals so I love that she's the one who's the unstoppable ruthless force so is her husband um, more taking that other role where he's like questioning what they're doing or I guess no spoilers but Uh,
0: no spoilers but in the beginning they're they're both like on the same level Um, but as the show evolves Philip does um, begin to question things and sort of step into that role and Elizabeth is just so ruthless and hardcore right up until the end really um but yeah if you like that kind of tension between people you should definitely check out the americans also there is a lot of amazing disguises and wigs and very hot sex on this show
1: who doesn't love those things exactly (laughs) and i feel like my issue with the sexual assault backstory it's like i it's weird it's like i'm fine with that because we all know that's a part of most of our backstories. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I think the thing that really bugs me is when a character is one way, and then they get assaulted, and then they're a different way after, like it turned them into a badass, or an assassin, or a hard woman, or like this idea that men have this power to change us with this one act. Yes, I think that's what really bothers me, you
0: know? Yeah, I agree. And in the case of Elizabeth Jennings, like she was always a badass you know like right. this didn't make her into who she is like it may have sort of made her more focused just because like you can see how in order to get through it she sort of com- compartmentalized right that experience and then going forward she compartmentalizes a lot um but yeah it's not like he waved a magic wand and suddenly she was a different person uh, like the the always...
1: radioactive spider rape like you got right. bitten by the radioactive oh my God. Rape spider and suddenly <laughs> yes. you're the fucking assassin right. like... <laughs> yeah exactly
2: we're gonna have to do a whole episode and talk about that trope i, I think, think
1: absolutely i think we should like, show good and good examples of it handled well and then bad examples where we're like stop it yes
2: there's so many, so many examples. I wonder
1: if the bad examples will be more written by men. I can't tell.
2: Maybe. I see it a lot in things written by women where um, there's a female character who's kind of a bitch and unlikable. And then uh, I see this on TV shows a lot. Like they did this on Scandal for sure with uh, Melly, the president's wife. Uh, where she's this total bitch and everyone hates her. And then you find out a few seasons into the show that she was sexually assaulted. And it's almost like they're putting that in there to be like, oh, you can't hate her. She's sympathetic. This horrible thing happened to her. And that drives oh me God.
0: fucking oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. The worst. Okay. okay Wendy, do you want to <laughs> talk about your pick?
1: Okay. So my pick of the day is Wednesday Addams. Um, I love that little bitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> So Wednesday Addams, of course, from the Addams Family show in the nineteen sixties, and then movie in the nineties. Um, Christina Ricci, freaking crush forever to the end of time, right? Because mm-hmm. I think Christina Ricci and I are the same age almost. I think. Oh I think, really? Yeah. Um, so she's like the the person that I'm. I would like reach out across the universe to and be like, I want. I can't tell if I want to be you or if I need to have uh, sexual relations with you, it's possible to know.
2: <laughs> that is, we were talking about this the other day, that that's a very common thing when you're bi, like with women. It's like, I don't know if I have a crush on you, or I want to like make myself over to look just like you. Maybe, Maybe both. both, both is right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> or like then you have a crush on a boy, and so you start dressing like him, and you're like, that's not going to work, but yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Wednesday Adams is named after the nursery rhyme that says Wednesday's child is full of woe. Um, And I think, uh, well, a little trivia about Wednesday. Uh, She collects headless dolls. Her favorite doll is a Marie Antoinette doll that she has her brother guillotine for her. Um, She raises (laughs) spiders. She is weirdly strong and is in the 1960s show. She does this judo hold on her dad. I used to watch this show as a child and just thought she was like the Um, (laughs) coolest.com. She's obsessed with the Bermuda Triangle, which I didn't know. Until way later, when I had already had a, lifeline, a lifetime obsession with the Bermuda Triangle. And I could talk about it a whole lot, and I'm not going to do that to you right now, but I could. <laughs> um, I <laughs> That'll a be a very special it.
0: episode later. <laughs> That'll be our next science corner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and she has an ancestor who was burned as a witch in the 1700s. So Wednesday's pretty much just. I think the reason I like her so much is because I feel like she's me, but just unapologetic. Like she just like leans into it all the way. No one tells her to be nice at home. No one tells her that she's weird for these things. Her family is very supportive, and uh, I just feel like she's kind of got it all. You know, like she's a little bit sadistic. She's a sort of a social commentary as well. Like there's this one famous scene where um, she's with these kids and she's swimming in the 1991 movie. I think 91. And this little blonde girl, is like they're playing a game, and she's like, "I'll be the victim." And Wednesday's like, "Yeah, all your life." Um, <laughs> and like, I just think she's like a little social commentary. She's a little bit of like an anti-woman, you know, like mm-hmm. an anti-girl. It's like all the things a girl's not supposed to do. You're not supposed to like bugs. You're not supposed to like things that are scary, you know, all those things. And she's just like all that, and. In- I just love her so much. She's not nice, though. Like, she's she's actually really sadistic. And I think there's even a thing where she maybe scares a kid to death at one point in the movie. And just like, doesn't care. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I love her. Do you guys I like Wednesday?
2: Her. Yeah. I yeah. love her, too. She's just, like, a goth fashion icon oh, also. Yeah. And... Um, she's the epitome of, you know, a female character who does not give a damn if you like her. Like, she's just going to do whatever she wants.
1: Like, I walk into grocery stores and men just tell me, hey, smile. You you know, it's not that bad. That's and I'm strange. like, I'm fucking happy as hell. Like, I just don't smile that much. I am not very smiley. And I can't tell you how many social situations I've been in where people have been like, what's wrong? Or, people that i've, you know, been romantically involved with that are like, "Would you seriously just try to look cheerful? Like you're making people feel uncomfortable." Like everywhere i go, i feel like i'm trying to stretch this fake smile across my face to just make people feel comfortable. And i love that Wednesday just doesn't do that. She's like, "Then go away." That is the worst. I've had men
2: tell me to smile on the street. I definitely have the resting bitch face oh, yeah. going too. on. And I also had a man once, uh, I was just walking down the street in Chicago, and he was like, you don't need to wear all black. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, What's that even
0: mean? Like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It was like he wanted my clothes and my face to be cheerful. I have no idea, but know. like, fuck that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I I, I, I don't get it. I'm curious, actually, what that means. though. like, I mean, obviously, it means nothing. He's just a stupid asshole. But like, does he think that you're relying on your black clothes for special powers? Is, like, what exactly uh, does that maybe mean? Maybe like, hey,
1: if you're trying to look pretty, I like them all natural, so you don't have to try so hard. You know, the thing that yeah. men do. Where I actually think she looks great without makeup. It's like, shut up. Right. It's shut not up. for you. No one asked
0: you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Wednesday. Ugh. She's my girl. I love it. All right, let's talk about the ones we hate. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, well, so I'll go first. Mine is one that I actually, I would not say I hate her, and I actually like her better now, but I think that the reasons why are interesting um, and full of shameful internalized misogyny. So let's just get into that. Um, And that is Sansa Stark on Game of Thrones. Are you guys Game of Thrones fans at all?
0: I am not. I have not seen it.
1: I've read all the books, but I've never I've only seen a couple of the of the shows and I know they're different.
2: They are. Yeah. And like as it goes on, they get uh, more and more different. So I would say female characters that I tend to have that visceral like, "Ugh, I just don't like her reaction to tend to be the female characters that are more. Like girly or perky, kind of traditionally feminine, which, Mm. as I mentioned, is terrible internalized misogyny (laughs) bullshit like devaluing someone because they have a more traditional presentation of femininity. It's terrible. I'm trying to train myself out of it, but that is still kind of the visceral reaction that I tend to have. Um, So, Sansa, for anyone who might not be familiar with the books or the show, is the oldest daughter of Ned Stark, who's the main protagonist when the series kicks off, um, although he doesn't last very long. Spoilers, I guess. (laughs) Like, many years old spoilers. Um, So Sansa is, when she's first introduced, she's this kind of naive princessy girl, and she just wants to wear pretty dresses and throw parties and get married. Like, she's the most basic bitch in all of Westeros. (laughs) That's her whole vibe. Um, And a lot of people who are Game of Thrones fans just like straight up hate Sansa, this vitriolic rage. Uh, I've seen so many comments, uh, on Twitter and elsewhere. like I'm sure you know characters die very frequently on Game of Thrones. and um, she's lasted longer than most. she's still alive on the show and in the books uh, at this point. And I've seen so many comments that like when another character dies, people are like, oh, I wish Santa died instead. She's such a pointless, worthless character, you know, just <laughs> complaining, like wishing her <laughs> wishing for her demise. Um, so I never felt that strongly about her. like I never, hated her Uh, but from the beginning when I first started reading the books I just kind of I don't know I didn't care much about her like I get to one of her POV chapters and I kind of skim it like wanting to get to one of my favorite characters I found her hard to relate to um, because of you know that she was more traditionally feminine and pretty and everything and the things that she wanted were just things that I couldn't couldn't relate to couldn't understand Um, whereas Like almost everyone else who's a Game of Thrones fan, I really loved her little sister, Arya. People often compare the two of them because Arya is, from the very beginning of the series, she's this, like, tomboyish badass who's great at stabbing people. Like, who doesn't love that? (laughs) So people will root for Arya, hate Sansa, and then kind of criticize Sansa, being like, why can't she be a badass like her sister? Like, what's wrong with her? Um, So... Yeah, I just kind of she wasn't my fave. I liked a lot of the other characters on the show much better than her. But over time, I started to like her more, and so have many other people who are Game of Thrones fans. And I think that the reasons are kind of interesting and actually tie back into what we were just talking about with sexual assault and trauma as character development. So, on the show, especially uh, in the books too, but the show is like past the books now, a couple years. Um, Sansa is she just goes through some shit. Like (laughs) her whole family dies. Like some of them are killed right in front of her. She is married off to like several terrible abusive men. Um, In the show, she's brutally raped uh, on her wedding night to one of these men. I mean, it's just like really awful. And after all of this trauma that she's been through, she kind of sheds that naive princessy vibe that she had before. And now she's this like Machiavellian badass basically like she's playing the Game of Thrones better than anyone so um I am rooting for her a lot more now I'm finding her much more relatable and <laughs> easy to, to cheer on uh, but I really have to question why that is like
1: so are you yeah. saying that like her character changed after that wedding night thing
2: her character, it has been a very gradual change for some. Okay, so it like, wasn't okay. the
1: radioactive rape spider thing.
2: No, that was kind of like I would say that was like the final straw for her where she kind of flipped mm-hmm. the switch and became more Machiavellian and manipulative and like hardcore, but she was changing throughout the whole show, like as each kind of new traumatic thing happened to her. And I don't know, I just it's like all these people, myself included kind of dismissed her and thought she was frivolous and now that she's this badass who's been hardened and is like a survivor. Uh, Everyone seems to like her better. And like, what the fuck is that about? You know, like that women are only valued after they've been, you know, through all this and suffered publicly in a way that we can all watch and enjoy. I I don't know. It's been something I've been thinking about in the more recent seasons of Game of Thrones as I've been coming to like her more. And I just kind of hate that I feel this way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know what you're saying, but also it is different when a change like that, is like gradual and more organic as opposed to the radioactive rape spider. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting.
1: oh man, love it.
2: All right, so Kristen, you want to go? Yes.
0: So my uh, least favorite, unlikable female character would be Hannah Horvath from Girls. Oh, we're gonna fight, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Finally, a fight! Um, <laughs> also, so I just think that she is the most selfish character. I mean, on the show, everyone is a little bit unlikable, which is one thing that is great about the show. It's a really well-written um, like range of the types of female characters that you might encounter in the world and in art. But Hannah, in particular, is just selfish and so whiny about her selfishness like she's constantly making selfish choices and then when people don't respond the way that she wants them to she gets very whiny about it she is sort of helpless in that way and it also manifests as being super entitled in the first episode she just flat out says she thinks she could be the voice of her generation like you know she and she is trying to make a career as a writer all through the show and as we writers know like the way that that's portrayed I don't know if that's super realistic but um, she doesn't do a ton of writing she just sort of goes about calling herself a writer she gets into the Iowa writers workshop and then leaves quite abruptly without finishing uh, she doesn't take any of her jobs seriously and just watching her drives me crazy um, <laughs> But, Lane, I think you might disagree with me on that. Um,
2: Yeah, I know I said we were going to fight. I don't know. Everything you said is absolutely true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hannah's really awful. I think, I don't know, we could do a whole episode just on girls and Lena Dunham and that whole thing. Um, And I certainly will not defend everything Lena Dunham has ever said or done. Like, she's very problematic, as we say. But what I love about girls is... I don't think it asks us to side with Hannah or sympathize with Hannah. Like, it really shows how awful she is. And uh, I, I feel like as a viewer, you're just allowed to judge her and think that she's awful and you don't have to be on her side. And that's why I like the show.
0: Well, I, I like the show, too. Um, it's just it's interesting because she, I think, is meant to be the emotional heart of the show. But she's just like the worst, <laughs> um, which does make it a very interesting show and in that it asks you to go on this storytelling journey with someone that you can't fucking stand um but yeah just every episode of watching that show is just like one like a 30 minute long cringe because of how badly she's behaving
2: (laughs) that's definitely true (laughs) and I think she's another character where we see male characters who act like that all the time like there's so many male characters who are like Hannah Horvath and the fact that she's a woman and also um, Lena Dunham is not like Hollywood attractive, skinny, like perfect looking. Right. And I feel like people get unreasonably angry at Lena specifically and at the show. Um, I find all the rage and vitriol around girls really interesting, actually. But everything you said, completely accurate. She is awful.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's but- a
1: good thing, though. It's like, yes, she's awful. Would we hate a male character doing the same thing as much?
0: that's a really good question and i don't know um part of it part of what drives me crazy about her is that like she is is whiny about yeah all of these things like other characters who are in this this type this like selfish terrible self-involved artist type um you don't always get the whining and i think that that's part of what drives me crazy but even as I'm saying it I'm like would I ever even describe a man as whiny I don't know I, I might know, use different an words guess. and yes, like, like you would the, the <laughs> I the tone true. of her <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've met some whiny men yep oh yeah I think
2: we all know whiny men but there's something about that word that it connotes this like female voice like yeah. tone of voice almost that's really interesting yeah that is yeah really we never call men whiny or shrill even though many of them are
0: (laughs) oh yeah shrill especially like that's just a word that you never hear applied to men even though like men being mad on the internet about shit are shrill all the time oh my god so much so shrill
2: all right wendy i believe you have some very strong opinions i
1: know (laughs) so this is funny because kristen we kind of picked similar characters a little bit i Picked Jenny Schechter from The L Word as my Uh, first unlikable female character because I hate her so much. (laughs) And I hate her more than anyone else in any other TV show ever in the whole world. Tell us why, Wendy. Okay. If you don't watch The L Word because you're not a big homo like I am, this is what this is. She moves to LA from Illinois and she's like, I'm going to be a fiction writer and I've won this short story contest. And her writing is so cringy that it makes you want to stab yourself in the face so that it it, is really bad. (laughs) It's so bad. And it's all memoir. So it's just really like narcissistic memoir. And like she... So you have to listen to her narrate it. And they also do these like horrible... Like where she's picturing it while she's writing. And it's really horribly cringy. So there's that. And then so she moves in with her boyfriend. And then... She sees some lesbians having sex in the pool through the fence in the house next door. And she's like, oh, that looks fun. And she launches into this like mission of self-discovery of her bisexuality. So she starts cheating on her boyfriend. I'm in for all of it. I'm like, go on. I'm fine with the female character cheating. I'm fine Mm -hmm. with the sexuality. That's not what is bothering me. But her boyfriend then finds out, catches her, and she's like, And he's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you don't get to live here anymore. And she's like, how can you throw me out like this? Like, you can't throw me out on the street. I have nowhere to go. And she always has this really like sort of like Tennessee Williams, like clutching her hand to the chest of her nightgown, like (laughs) sort of like horror. Like, how could you do this to me? Like everyone's really dramatic drunk Southern aunt would be. You know, like, this that self-pity. And he's like, fine, you can stay on for free in my guest house. So then she proceeds to stay and live in his guest house and write her terrible, terrible book and um, have sex with all these women, like, in his house. <clears throat> and and then, like, she kind of, like, starts to get back together with him, starts to lead him on. And he's just, like, this dumb, clueless guy who's like, I just I don't know what's happening. And she, like... Just continuously acts victimized, and yet she's living with this like extreme privilege. They have this beautiful house in West Hollywood that I could never figure out how the hell they afford it. He's like a swimming coach, and right. she is writing the world's worst book in the basement or whatever. She works at Whole Foods for like five minutes a day, and she, and I'm looking at her on the register, <laughs> and she's and I'm at the time I was like 19 and working at Trader Joe's and like like partying in West Hollywood all the time, so like knew everywhere that they were filming it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's that freaking one on Brentwood, you know, in Brentwood. And she would just be like taking something and like pushing it through the scanner. And I was like, you didn't even scan it. It didn't even beep. (laughs) Like everything she did. And then she starts trying to like steal people's girlfriends. But it was like, I wanted her first. And like, how can you do this to me by dating this person that I wanted first? Like just everything about her, I hated so much. And what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: that is so funny that you guys both picked these uh characters who are very dramatic selfish narcissists and also writers who like don't realize the privilege that they have i feel like all of us as authors yes that is really interesting (laughs) just look at that and we're like bitch you have it good (laughs) shut up
0: yes i i am in in total agreement wendy Jenny's the worst she is um almost unwatchable and I have, I didn't even watch the final season, maybe the final two seasons. I didn't either. I
1: think I got like four, three or four seasons in.
0: Uh, Yes. Well, I'm sure that you know what I ultimately happened. Yes. She is murdered. And oh the final season of the show is about figuring out what happened. And it's like, who um, cares? Just let him get away with I it. I know. Just like, <laughs> Jenny is terrible. But <laughs> I read this really interesting piece on auto straddle by Heather Hogan not long ago comparing... Don Draper from Mad Men to Jenny Schechter and in a lot of ways they are the same type of character. And we don't feel that way about Don Draper at all. Like he's not annoying. He's not the worst. He's like fascinating, right? Um, so. I find
2: him very annoying to be honest. <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> but it's like the show like is a is about him. Yeah, and yeah. you. He's interesting enough that you want to go on this journey with him like no one would watch a show about jenny Schechter. like if that was just if she was like the core of the show it would be like god no and i don't even know why because like don draper is also like he he cheats on his wife all he cheats on both of his wives he is constantly using people and making messes for other people to clean up um but the way that he's different i guess is that we don't really know what he thinks about all of this stuff that he's doing because he is a very contained um, and, like, not demonstrative person, whereas, like, Jenny is very clear with her emotions and her feelings of feeling tortured and used, and even though she's the one who is doing the torturing and using in a lot of cases. So I wonder but if it's, like, the the presence of emotion that makes us want to push her away.
1: I feel like Don Draper at least with Jan- with his first wife, I feel like she is using him in that marriage as much as he is using her. And it's not that they have an agreement that he will cheat, but it's that they're using each other. So when he cheats on her, it doesn't have the same flavor. And it's more like, I don't know, It's a it's a different type of infidelity, I think, than when Jenny is so like you know, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, Don Draper's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm being a dick, and I don't care. (laughs) You know, like, it's different. You know, whereas Jenny's like, everyone needs to be nice to me. I'm not a bad person. I don't mean to do any of this. It's that, like, self-pity, I think, that, for me, makes me love or hate a character. I can see a character doing really bad things and still love them. I can't see them being so like whiny and narcissistic, which is funny that I'm using the word whiny
0: just like you did. Right? Yeah, that's self pity is a better word than whiny. Yeah. Um, and that's like I think that Don Draper does have self pity, and that kind of drives his actions. But it's he is not voicing his self pity. It's like kind of an internalized, mm-hmm. like oh, you know, poor me. I had this shitty upbringing, and then all this shitty stuff happened to me, and that means I'm a shitty person now. Um, Well, could
1: it also just be that he's just doing more interesting things that are more interesting to watch? Like, it's not interesting to watch Jenny Schechter write bad, you know, bad short stories (laughs) in the basement she's living in for free or whatever. But, like, (laughs) it is interesting to watch Don Draper navigate New York City in this historical context and, like, show us this world of, you know, advertising. Also, we also tend to give a lot of. leeway to creative geniuses Mm -hmm. in film and books and he's a genius you know he has an actual like he's like a marketing prodigy whereas Mm -hmm. jenny schecter is the prodigy of nothing she's a hack like he's fucking awful yeah she can't write so maybe if she was like an actually good writer and she was just like a badass good writer in la making it happen cheating on everybody i think that would be different
0: I think you're right. I think that part of it is that we see through this like artifice of oh, I'm this tortured genius. Like we know she's not a genius. Her yeah, writing is bad. We they're freaking
1: reading it to us. And like, well, now you've proven right. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave so, it a mystery. <laughs> so
2: I've never seen the L word, but is the show kind of on her side? Like, are you supposed to sympathize with her?
0: No, no. I
1: think she's an okay. I think she's an unsympathetic character on the show. Yes. Okay, but like you're supposed to be interested in her antics, like you're supposed to be interested in the drama of her love interests. She's cheating on one with another, you know, but it's not her fault. She just fell in love. (laughs) Because I'm thinking a lot of this is sounding
2: a lot like Mavis from Young Adult, too. I mean, she's a writer and writes these kind of hacky books um, and she is constantly justifying her her own bad behavior but the movie definitely does not want us to sympathize with her and yeah. be on her side like the Patton Oswalt character is sort of the audience surrogate where he's like attracted to her but he's looking at her like wow you are fucked up yeah so <laughs> <laughs> we're not really asked to sympathize with her in that way um but... but I
1: think the show doesn't I do think when they're doing her writing stuff like I don't think they are intentionally making it as cringy as it is I think it's accidental how cringy it is <laughs>
0: yeah that it's could so well be. bad yeah, it definitely sounds like um, like any creative nonfiction writing workshop you might take when you're, like, 20 years old and, like, writing these very flowery sentences about mundane things that have happened to you. And I think the forcing us to, like, relive it all through her eyes yes. is, oh, like, God. it's just, it is very work It's like
1: my own heart betrayed me and i sat there in the puddle of my own blood and tears wondering how did i get here was it me or was it me it's like shit like that where you're just like oh god
0: stop please i mean i was just making me
1: think of sex in the city now honestly (laughs) (laughs) oh god Carrie bradshaw called it for the next one Yeah, I feel like we have so many
2: other characters oh, yeah. we could talk about, and we will over time. We definitely will. All right. Okay, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at unlikablefcpod. Uh, that's unlikable with an E-U-N-L-I-K-E, uh, unlikable. Uh, and then on Instagram, we're Characters, and uh, our website is com. We actually just added to our website this past week... A handy google form that you can use if you uh have a book or an author that you would like to hear us discuss on the show and um authors who might be interested you can submit yourself like be that bitch do it do it <laughs>
0: yeah. you know a man Our, would do it so
2: a man would totally do it yeah have that mediocre white man confidence yeah. and submit yourself but yeah. um <laughs> So we're only taking suggestions to the show from that forum now just so we can kind of keep everything organized. Uh, but yeah, feel free to use that send uh, things you think we should talk about. And our next couple episodes, uh, we mentioned this in our sneak preview, but we're gonna do an episode where we talk about Amy Dunn from Gone Girl, one of my favorite unlikable female characters. Uh, and then we're gonna have an interview with Hannah Mary McKinnon, the author of The Neighbors. I'm not sure what order those episodes will come out. And yep, those are our next two months, So. Stay tuned, thanks for listening.